motivators. What's going on on this Saturday friggin' morning? Dr. Drill's podcast, Making Motivation. Let's get you friggin' riled up, excited for the weekend. Listen, what is friggin' more compelling than a, uh, a long, hard work week in the summertime when time off calls to you? What's more compelling than that? Want a friggin' and then the weekend arrives just like that. On a beautiful morning, I don't know, 10, maybe a dozen individuals on bicycles rode down to Perkyoman trying to beat the rains that are scheduled to come in this afternoon. And it was a beautiful morning, slight breeze in the air, a little bit overcast. Get out there on a friggin' flat Perkyoman trail, man, and just ride. All kinds of people out there riding bikes and jogging and running. Creatures out there, saw a herd of deer, some squirrels, all kinds of birds and shit. Just a beautiful, beautiful morning out there. That is motivating. That is exciting. Exercise. Getting the blood flowing. Getting the harp going for a pitter-patter. Love dub, love dub. Love dub, love dub, love dub. Jacking up your heart rate. Challenging your body. Imposing a little bit of stress. Some self-induced stress. A trial. Something difficult. Get those lungs open. Filling with oxygen. (sighs) Breathe in the good air. Blow out the bad air. Breathe in the goodness. Fart out the weakness, my friend. And before long, I am definitely going to have to bust a good fart, which makes me, it pleases me. Okay? So I had a conversation, probably at about 10, 15 miles per hour, with my good buddy, the Black Weed Orb. I just, I love this guy, man. Just a good man. Got a lot in common in the friggin' out the outdoors, nature, hiking, kayaking, biking, all that stuff. So definitely seeing eye to eye. We have some good stimulating conversations. Conversations that are challenged by the cadence of a bicycle ride. In other words, it's you know, they say that you want to get a good good exercise, maybe you hike it out so you can walk or jog. You want to be able to you know you're in the, the fat burning zone. You know in the you're in the aerobic uh, zone when you can carry on a conversation, but just barely, you're struggling to to breathe simultaneously and keep your composure and run. So we were doing that, but on bikes. Every once in a while, like we were Luke and Leia on our speeders. I would be Luke. As we saw runners coming in the other lane, we would have to duck behind one another and then back out side by side, solving the world's problems. And so today we talked about nature. We talked about the economy and where technology has taken us. What what is the world going to look like in 10, 20 years? We started out talking about a little bit of a hike that he had gone on. He's, he uh, shared with me that he was able to do a bunch of peaks. So he went up in the mountains and spent some time camping with his nephews and his brother. And got the kids out, which is not something they get to do a lot. 
So Uncle Eric took him out there, did some hiking, and he also did two days by himself. He went up there and hiked up these various peaks in the Adirondacks, which is absolute beauty up there. God's country. Unbelievable. So he went up there and spent some time up in these mountains hiking, camping, and just taking in nature. And so, as someone who appreciates all this sort of thing, I kind of was there with him a little bit. You know, I, I could understand, I could imagine the experience. The weather was beautiful, just a really wonderful time to be up in the mountains. And I had gone up last week on a trip to see my family up in the Catskills and just saw this raw beauty, fucking hills and valleys, lush greenery everywhere, ferns in the undergrowth layers, you got the canopy above and then, you know, smaller saplings and then you finally got on the ground level, all this just very quiet, very dancing, uh, sun barely getting through onto the forest floor with the ferns and grasses and all that shit just hanging out there, a little babbling brook going by. Absolutely freaking peaceful, man. Something out of the painter of lights. Uh, Tom, what the hell's that guy's name? He's dead now, but he wrote all, Thomas Kincaid. Something out of one of his paintings or some shit, right? So, the solitude, my point is, my interest is in the solitude that can be had from doing something like this. From going out there and being out in nature. And I thought about my trip and I thought, as I was driving up there, I was considering, man, look, this, this is beauty, beautiful up here, but the only problem is that the economy, it absolutely sucks. Like, I would love to live in a small town USA. But up in the mountains there, man, like the, it's beautiful, it's God's country, but the economy is for shit. So people living in trailers, people, um, they don't have much alcoholism and drug abuse is huge up there and people aren't working. So they're bored out of their minds and they start trouble and they have all these kids and it's, it's just a really sad state of affairs. So people go into this, the cities. They go down into the valley, come out of the mountains, down into the valley in order to get some kind of work. Well, if we're up in one of these rural areas in the mountains, the Poconos or New York State, that means you got to go to places like Binghamton or Syracuse or Rochester, Scranton. And even then, the jobs are not what they, the economy is not what it is down here in Philadelphia or some near some metropolis. But there's a trade-off because you live in an area that's very expensive and um, is very fast-paced and we can feel. We're talking about the notion that we can feel all these changes. Like changes are so rampant in terms of uh, technology. Um, think about electronics cell phone technology, right? All these items, calendars, phones, it's all jammed into this friggin' tiny little centimeter, you know, 
46 centimeter rectangle that we call our cell phones that we carry everywhere we go. Incredible. And there's something that drives the computer chips that are in the cell phones called Moore's Law, which is that every 18 months, or basically once a year, computer chip technology, that is the technology of making uh, these electronics circuits, embedding them in silicone and putting all the metals, fine metals in there and soldering all that shit, which is all done by computers now, right? It doubles. Computer technology doubles. Processor technology doubles every 18 months. So shit is so fast-paced, and down in the valley, we feel this. and feel the impact of technology from television and cell phones and all these things, the internet. We feel it most. It is most palpable for those that are right on top of it. In fact, we, we are exposed to so much technology and progress that maybe we can't even process that. We can't even, we don't even realize it. Whereas up in some of these more rural areas, sure they have cell phones, but like my parents, for instance, live outside of Binghamton, they had no cell phone service. So whereas we feel like uh, we're always connected, they can't even get they can't friggin' um, get service on a cell phone. They all have landlines up there. And I'm sure that problem will be solved. It's a function of the terrain and all that stuff. But it's just very interesting. And we talked about the notion... Shut the fuck up. We talked about the notion of... Imagine if you had some, you know, with all the technology we have available today, imagine if you had an online business. Imagine if you had some sort of widget that you made and you sold them online. And all you basically had to do was keep these, this product in stock, supply the demand, which presumably would ideally would be high, set your price point, and you could just see the sales roll in. And you had just needed a computer with internet access, very little travel involved, and you could live up somewhere in these remote regions where you can buy, you know, ten times the house and land, and the, be surrounded by the beauty of nature, and live in a small town USA, while reaping the benefits of the modern. That would be friggin' cool, right? And it's entirely possible these days. Um, and it's interesting that, like I have a friend, she works in a, a calendar company, like some paper, paper mill up in upstate New York. And, you know, these are the, these, a business like that, a business that manufactured still produces something in the good old U.S. of A., which are few and far between because labor and materials and all that shit and regulations so much better for business, arguably, elsewhere, some third world country, right? But other than that, other than a few of these manufacturing plants that make whatever, retread tires or make notebooks or some shit, if that manufacturing plant goes away, I mean, you could support a whole town, perhaps, on one of these businesses. 
But if that goes away, you're fucked. So maybe technology is going to bring the benefit of remote work into some of these places. And, you know, just spitballing, but what would it be like to to move off the grid, further off the grid anyway, and have a bunch of land and a house up there where you could just, you don't need to be, you don't need to be in Philadelphia. You could be fucking up in the middle of nowhere, living your life, reaping the benefits of nature, and basically keeping to yourself while um, being able to make a good living. So maybe that's coming for those people. But with that progress, with that ability to earn a wage up there, there's going to be more people. Means there's going to be more people moving out into these wild, wilder places, and they'll ultimately spoil it. And it's led to this whole conversation about the economy and, and what drives it, and how much it take costs to produce things these days, and how fast things are changing. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's tragic. It's interesting. Um, and we started talking about some, you know, we know some people who, uh, some young people who have, they're, they're depressed and they've got, well, depression is rampant. We have, all have family members who deal with things like this. I mean, I've had depression, anxiety, all this stuff. And what is that a function of? Well, once upon a time, this is one theory, uh, we didn't have time for shit like this. We were busting our asses. We were living in, um, you know, meager conditions and living living in factories, basically producing whatever items for the war. Maybe we were making airplane wings, or we were making artillery rounds, or whatever the hell we were making. Everybody was at work for the most part, right? Who wanted to work would be out there producing something, and a lot of time, a lot of these jobs required physical exertion. Long hours on your feet, lifting things, carrying things, performing repetitive tasks. Well, the question is, what happens when all of these jobs, or the majority of them, are now fulfilled by robots and automation, which is said to be coming, and in part has already arrived, right? What happens when the widgets that we're making by hand have now uh, are now made mass-produced or 3D printed, spat out of some extruder uh, in, a, in a manufacturing plant with a handful of people monitoring machines that do the work, robots and um, artificial intelligence, AI, things like that. You hear about things, something called the universal basic income, which is said to be, I believe, as a result of automation and all robots essentially doing all of the tap performing all the tests now we're going to be freaking nobody's going to be at work so we're going to be around sitting around not making any money so society would um, this would free up time for people to go crazy presumably and we would provide everyone a universal basic income. I forget what the dollar amount would be, but basically some sort of social security sort of setup, a couple thousand dollars a month, and that would be 
something that everybody would get and you can do whatever you want with it. What happens when you don't have work to do to earn a living? In part, at least. What do we do with that time? Because work has been such an institution. It is more than, arguably, more than making a wage, making a living, supporting a family. Work is something that we do. We're so It's so ingrained in, into our uh, worker bee mentality, into our lives, that if we have downtime, we'll fill it with something, right? We will hopefully get a hobby, something fun and productive to do. But a lot of times we'll make trouble. Um, I'm thinking about this uh, University of Stanford psychologist who's a brilliant guy, I forget his name, but he was talking about how in uh, studying these uh, primates in Africa, and he would watch them, and basically um, they fulfill their needs in terms of food and reproduction in a few hours a day, gathering food, fucking around... Then, once all the basic necessities of life are squared away, they start getting bored and they start torturing each other. They'll pick on each other, or, you know, push each other around, play pranks on one another. You imagine? I mean, I think we're basically hairless monkeys with a supercomputer of a brain. That's what we would do. And so there is this tendency, there is this mission that we're on to do work. People even say it, yeah, isn't at the gym, do work. It's like getting shit done. Somebody else will exclaim, I get shit done, man. It feels good to be productive. I mean, everybody's waiting for the weekend, right? But what good is time off if we just sit around? On Monday, people will say, yeah, you know, it's kind of lazy weekend, it's kind of laid around. And admit it, admit it, you were bored after Saturday, you know, you can only sit around friggin' beating your meat for so long before you're like, okay, what can I, I guess I need to get something done now. I guess I need to paint the house or do some weeding or go out there and do some shopping. And so you, you go out and you blow all your money buying things you don't need, or you go out there and mow the lawn and shit like that. You think about it. Some of these things are... They just had a sheer boredom. I mean, I'm, I'm looking right now at the at the ass end of this older couple, probably in their 60s, maybe 70, and they're walking. Which, hey, great, good for you guys getting out there, getting some training in. I'm sure that they walk regularly every day. It's good. They're out there moving their body, working against gravity, trying to fight gravity from pulling their saggy ass, wrinkled skin and uh, rusty hinge joints. Um, low friggin saggy hanging nutsack and mammaries we're all trying to fight gravity we're all trying to do work yes to be productive yes to get things done but also without any objective at all because we are compelled I mean everybody knows somebody that they like somebody who's retired or whatever and they ain't got shit to do maybe they golf uh, maybe they've got a sincere hobby, but things like crossword puzzles and, um, you know, 
uh, you know, a lot, I know I know a lot of senior citizens. They just go from diner to diner. They're just waiting for meals. And I, you think about that, and you're saying, "Holy shit, retirement is probably the worst thing that anybody could ever do." Because then you start, you stop using your mind. You stop computing. And with the, and in accordance with those keystrokes being less, with those tasks being. You know, they're not obligatory anymore. You don't need to get to work. You don't need to be anywhere. What day is it? You start to lose your shit, man, physically and mentally. And so, coming full circle, what is depression? What is anxiety sometimes? It is boredom. I had an old uh, friend of mine who would say, you know, if somebody's stressed out, you need to give them something to do. How ironic, because most of us, you'd think that, it's counterintuitive. Most people think that, like, being stressed, you know, it's like you got too much going on. Give them something else to do. What a novel concept. Give them another task, something to focus on, focus their attention on. And so I would argue that, you know, I, I'm the same way. I feel so fulfilled after a workout, after this 12-mile bike ride or whatever we did. I've gotten my work in for the day. I feel good. My mind is stimulated. I've had a great conversation with somebody. If I did nothing else today, I would feel like, ah, got that in. Check that box. I got shit done. Uh, so I can't imagine a world where you didn't have some, some sort of widget to make or something to produce. seems to me the goal is to try to make it when, we're, when we have a universal basic income and machines are making everything. And maybe a lot of the calculations have been done. Imagine a world where artificial intelligence, you know, we can plug in some data into a computer and say, all right, what's the right decision to make in this regard? What should I do? It'll take all of the kind of willy-nilly, oh, where should I go on vacation? All right, should I go to Costa Rica? Should I go on a cruise? Should I go to Florida? Should I go to uh, Slower Lower Delaware? Where are we going to go next week? Well, based upon your history and your likes and dislikes uh, and the logistics of these trips, uh, the affordability, you should do this. Done. What happens when your decisions are made for you by computers? Right? And our brains at that point, having not needing to make all these calculations, they start to deteriorate, start to get smaller. I read that the human uh, cerebral cortex, the brain, has started to shrink comparatively to our you know, caveman counterparts. What was that, all that surface area in the brain needed for? More so, you know, if we're following a logical uh, um, flow of, you know, assuming that there's more calculations needed, there's more data coming into this brain matter of a caveman than a current. I mean, is that what it is, or is it is it elusive? I don't know what that's a function of our shrinking brains, but imagine if we if we had machines making decisions for us. Is my point? Well, problem solved. We just sit around. I don't know what the hell we'd be doing, looking at screens, looking at computers. Will we even interact and talk to one another in the, in the sense where we're looking one another in the eye? 
it's just a very interesting time right now. And that was a lot. It was a little bit of a brain dump for you, but it's what I got. That's uh, what I derived from the conversation with my man, the Black Weedor. And I certainly would have liked his input uh, captured on podcast, perhaps another time. Everybody was just looking to get out of Dodge and resume their weekend, right? So I'm going to head into Wawa to see various freaks walking around here in the parking lot. This guy fragging, pushing a baby carriage, looking at his phone. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, maybe I'll go over to Wawa. I don't know. What do you want? Do you anybody want anything? Okay, I'll get you that. I'll get you one of those friggin' sausage, egg, and cheese. Anybody else want anything? No, I'm not getting you cigarettes. I thought you were trying to quit. Wah, wah, daddy. I'm a crazy bastard. What we got behind us in my rearview mirror? Got some rednecks bragging their windows down, hanging half out of the car. Just stopped at Wawa, get their morning coffee, heading off to a job site. Bragging family looking like they're heading to the beach. Got all kinds of boogie boards and bikes hanging off of their shit. A balding Indian guy walking over, checking himself. Hey, what's going on? Oh, thanks for holding the door open for me. It's disappointing. There's not that many freaks out there. I guess maybe I'm the biggest freak in this parking lot right now. Listen, motivators, have a wonderful day. Can't be good. Be good at it. Be careful in these rains.